0: Welcome to Seat Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Seat Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for this lovely Tuesday evening. As always, we're in Texas, and I don't know what you guys' winter has been like, but we finally got the cold, and it sucks, and I kind of wish it had already go away. But that's kind of what it is. I'm sure uh, some of our guests this evening from the Northeast, they're going to be, they're they're used to this. It's been there for a long time. They're shoveling snow and it's just what it is for them. But man, in Texas, it sucks. It's freezing. It's interesting. We're going to get used to it. So this is seat time. Welcome everybody to the online show for the Off-Road Enthusiast. If you happen to have thrown a leg over a dirt bike or have watched somebody fall off of one and left them while holding your beer, this is definitely going to be the show for you and we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, If for some reason you're watching us live, which we do appreciate, make sure that you grab the link right now, seattime.co slash live. Throw that in to one of your little social networks and get more people in here to watch as we have our lovely guest this evening. So this is episode 149. We're one episode away from 150. Uh, trying to come up with ideas to see if there's anything fun, different, or other ways to create more enjoyment for you guys and, of course, a pintful of awesome for ourselves. So definitely message us on Facebook if you have any thoughts on that. So Seat Time brought to you by the fine folks over at Fly Racing. Stillwell Performance and Fast Company, so Fly Racing, FlyRacing.com. Obviously, they carry Fly Racing, the gear line, which you can get uh, through their website or any of your local dealers uh, around town. Of course, Stillwell Performance, StillwellPerformance.com. They will make sure that you have the best suspension out there. And the way that, if if you go back and listen to some of the archives, they have the 4CS stuff figured out. Um, they're doing a great job and a lot of work over there. Uh, Dirt Rider, love what they did for him at the GNCCs. And, of course, Fast Company has the flex bars. If you're uh, not an old man, because that's not what it's for, but if you happen to be somebody that maybe you have a lot of arm pump, get a lot of blisters, just don't ride as much as you would like to, and you have sore hands. Flex bars are something that you guys should look into, so you can check them out at fastco.com, and we really, really appreciate their support. Of course, uh, you can find us, seattime.co is the website. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are on all that crap. You can find us. You can friend us. You can like us. You can tweet us. You can whatever it is, and we'll probably respond in equally awkward fashion. So thank you for tuning in. Oh, my gosh. Our guest this evening is somebody that uh, I- I've kind of always worked trying to figure out a way to work him into the show. It's like, how do I do this? And, and, and he's had some bad luck this year at the ISDE, so I figured this would be the perfect time to talk to Dreffordette, to talk about all of the highlights of his life and not just the DNF that he did receive this year at the ISDE. So, for those of you who do not know, 2002 is when he was inducted into the AMA Hall of Fame. He is the KDX expert, as, uh, as his website is his claim to fame. Now 1981 Blackwater 100 winner. Uh, he did actually overall a GNCC 34 ISDEs, but 33 finishes. Um, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I'm sure. Obviously, that is just a very small list of accomplishments for this rad dude. So we just have to ask Mr. Jeff Fredette, how is your evening going, kind sir? Well,
1: you think it's cold in Texas? <laughs> you ought to be up here in Illinois. We, yeah. We, we didn't. We didn't even get to 20 today. Oh man. Yeah. See, at least we
0: started. I think above 30. I don't know. Yeah, but see, and you guys, I would imagine, too, have crazy amounts of snow and all that other, a lot more to deal with than just cold temperatures, right?
1: Well, actually, we don't have no snow yet, so it's oh, kind nice really? right here. We're just, making, we're just making ice right now.
0: Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's not too bad, then. So hopefully you guys don't have any blizzards and we don't have any snow days because snow days here in Texas turn into stupid people days. And it just gets it just goes downhill from there. So you're back from Argentina. You're back at work. You're you're making life happen. So I, I guess just kind of if you could encapsulate all of your ISDE experiences into some form of a story, how, what would that be?
1: It it would have to be un, un, it, It's just awesome. I yeah. Mean, it's a. Uh, you know it's uh it's a very memorable moment uh you really get um you know teary eyed with a lot of stuff at 6 days i mean representing the USA and uh you know the last few years the way the the US team has has improved so much in the last 3 years basically is is just it's just awesome
0: that's very cool um how in the heck did you kind of Get started with you know going to the ISDE. Did you ever go to it when it was actually still the I the ISDT, or did you have you only been going when it was the ISDE?
1: Well, the first one I went to was a uh, ISDT. Okay. Um, and the reason I, the reason I basically got into it was, uh, of course, like most everybody gets started and stuff. The movie on any Sunday, Sunday, Sunday was out. And uh, I was still real young at the time. And it's just like, that looks like a race I need to go do. And uh, I went to a couple up in Michigan qualifiers, you know, just to get the hang of it. And in 78, I decided to make a try to try to make the team. And my very first year I tried, I, I made it on a team. It's just like it's, it was so much fun doing it. I mean, I got hooked.
0: <laughs> yeah. Man, that's crazy, though. At, at that moment in time. When you when you first qualified for the team, did you, what were your expectations going in that first year, and how kind of you know what did you do to prepare
1: yourself? Well, basically, I did a, I did a lot of training, uh, you know, doing a lot of riding. Basically, uh, not so much working out, but stuff that took a lot of energy. You know, like instead of riding my bike, I was pushing my bike, still right. riding it, and. Cause we rode outside of the house and, you know, I'd push it to the trails and, and come back and change tires and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. And actually the first year I went over, I was part of the, the KTM contingent, but we went over like a week early and built, uh, built the bikes in uh, in Austria there where the, where the factory was at at the time. And, uh, we loaded them all up in semis and about six guys got in the Volkswagen micro bus and drove up to Sweden.
0: Oh my gosh, and so in 78, it was 78, is that correct?
1: Uh, you're breaking up. Oh,
0: uh, was that in 78?
1: Yeah, 1978.
0: Okay, so and how old were you then and how, what was it like what was it like for you at that age going over to Europe and kind of living this this dream life of riding a dirt bike?
1: Well, I mean, it's it was um, you know, Basically, we were going with a bunch of, uh, bunch of guys that I, I basically grew up at the races with, right. um, you know, the guys from Penton and KTM and that, you know, so it was, it was just like a family going over there, so it wasn't, it, you know, you really didn't have the, the feel of actually leaving the country because we were still with a group of people, but once you got over there, I mean, a lot of things were different, you know, you couldn't talk to people, and you know, food's a little bit different, but, you know, you eat whatever they make, and They're living on it, so it's got to be good for you. Right?
0: Yeah, make it happen. How has, uh, and this this could be a very lengthy answer, or it could be a short one, or we could do it in parts, but I kind of want to know, from that first experience and from the 34 that you've now done, how has, I guess, one, the ISDE changed, how has the experiences changed, and then, with your, the, the effort that you're seeing being put forth in by Team USA now, and obviously a lot of other countries too, kind of where do you see the ISDE going?
1: Well, I mean, ba- basically the very first one I went to, I mean, in, in Sweden, I mean, back when it was ISDT, um, back then the rules were you, you had to carry everything that you are going to need for your, your whole day. I mean, the the, the pit crews, uh, gas stops and stuff where you got gas, lubricants, and the only tool they could give you was a hammer. All wow. the rest of the stuff, you, you know, any kind of spares you needed for the bike, you had to carry it with you. And back in the day, I mean, you know, if you watched on any Sunday, I mean, those guys had like double cables on everything, uh, shifter levers zip tied and safety wired on your bike. I don't even know if they had <laughs> zip ties back then, to be honest with you. But,
0: uh, <laughs> you, got, you guys yeah. probably had the safety wire stuff to the bikes.
1: Right. I mean, the the shifters, the levers, the kickstarters, all that stuff, you know, you carried with you. You know, if if you thought you're going to need a chain, you put it in in your pack and carried it, you know, because there was no ring chains back then. So things did wear out really fast back then. Oh, my gosh. And uh, keeping your bike going for the whole time was was part of the ordeal where, you know, nowadays you just get on your bike and go. I mean, any bike, you, you know, that they make right now. If you don't crash it, I mean, it's going to make it six days. I shouldn't say that because it did make it six days. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's they're they're the bikes nowadays are are really good, you know, and nothing wears out on them, right? And uh, that's the biggest the biggest you know one of the biggest changes, you know, between you know having to carry everything to now you can just about change anything you want on the bike as long as it's not a bar- marked part. Um, you know, as as far as, uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the support we've got now uh, compared to when we first started. I mean, when we first started, I mean, uh, got, you know, families and friends that went over for, for being a support crew. They worked out of their car. Right. I mean, you know, if it was raining out and they had a hatchback, they got lucky because they had a tent, you yeah. know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, now we've got, now the supplies at, at six days. I mean, we send a 40-foot container that we you know we've got that thing jam-packed and uh i noticed uh, this year when we got there people that weren't there to help unload it um which we had plenty of help to unload it you know but they they showed up on friday and they're like how did all this stuff come out of that 40-foot container you know i mean it's amazing how much stuff we can fit in that thing and uh you know in the basically in the last three years the amount of the amount of um The moment we've raised the bar as far as, you know, our results.
0: Oh, man. We'll see if we get them back really quick. Um, Chatting about the fact that we're trying to see kind of how things have evolved uh, with the ISTE team. And, you know, obviously with Kirk Caselli, 2006, 2007, uh, winning the the junior trophy team uh, with the junior trophy team at the time. Uh, is really kind of the pinnacle where where he started to show a lot more interest in the ISDE and so then through that a lot of other people were starting to show interest in the ISDE Um, because of that starting to get a little bit more money and funding and starting to uh, you know see a little bit the the level of effort was uh, a little bit higher and being put in better Uh, and so I think now though we know that the amount of money was so much more expensive this year especially because going to Argentina not just the it was the taxes actually um, for shipping or intense. I think they were like just the taxes alone were like $20,000 for the crate. Uh, so that's just ungodly amounts of money to, to back? get there. Yeah, I think we're back. All right. Woohoo. Well, yeah, so we were kind of talking about the level of support and how that's changed. You know, it's like it's crazy how much you guys could fit into that container. Wh- when did that change? Like, when did. When and what do you think caused that change? With, you know, being able to move from shipping over stuff just in in, in the bike crate itself, but then maybe ship to where you guys are now using this forty foot container. Like, what kind of changed uh, logistically for y'all to be able to have that happen?
1: Um, that happened back in, um, it had to be probably in the mid nineties, I think. Uh, when it, when the container came along. Um, because I can remember shipping my bike. I would actually carry my bike on board with me when I would I would leave on the plane. I, there was three years I I uh, cut my bike in half and put it in my luggage and took it with me. Holy crap! Um, and that was because it was it was cheaper to do it that way than it was to send it in the container. Um, and then I would just sell my bike over there and just leave it in the country wherever I was at. And, uh, <laughs> It was a whole lot easier than boxing it back up and bringing it home.
0: It was was that um, the norm for most people that did the ISDE at that time? Was to, I mean, essentially just sell whatever you had left and then come back with just your luggage?
1: No, that wasn't the norm. I was, okay. I was, I was, I was the only one taking my bike on, uh, on the airplane with me. <laughs> uh, there was a couple other guys that had some problems trying to do that because they just they just rolled it up to the airport and go, Hey, I'm, I want to check this bike, you know, but and I like, thought you know, it out. Called the air, airlines a little bit and and found out what, what all the rules were. Of course, that was before nine eleven, so right, not a not a problem there. But um, you know, but but since then, I mean, you know, the containers gotten more and more uh, of a of a key piece. I mean, it's all it's uh, once we get all the bikes and containers, all that stuff out of there, it all gets converted over to rider support type stuff where we can just put all of the uh, you know put all the shelves down and everybody's got a little. A, place to put their stuff during the week um
0: I said a and, cat? Uh,
1: yeah <laughs> I was like
0: is there a small child that you have in a box somewhere that we need to know about
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got the kid on a leash telling to no that's but, cool yeah keep going but yeah I mean so I mean once we get everything out of the container you know the riders got a spot where they can put their you know put their stuff for the week spare tires spare parts whatever um, plus, there's all the crates outside that you know. Most people that built the crate, you know, they make it so they can get in and out of it real quick, and it's part storage outside also. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 really evolved. You know, where, where you know each gas crew nowadays has got a, got their own van uh, that the uh, you know that's part of the the support package deal that we we, we pay to get our bikes and stuff over there. Um, you know, so all of all of the pits are, are well supplied with, with tools and mats and gas cans and food and, and shade and chairs and all that stuff. So I mean everybody's got you know, I mean as far as our team goes, I mean it it's it's really in the last three years really come together.
0: Right. Man, it's so neat. Yeah, I was there uh two thousand twelve, Jason Hooper and I flew to Germany um and, uh-huh. and helped cover the event there uh and it totally blew my mind you know just just the cuz i i've seen pictures and videos and stuff but just being there really kind of brought home the, the the vastness and how much stuff you guys have um with all the club teams with the junior trophy team the you know mm-hmm. the, the the senior team and then of course the world trophy team so it's it's a logistical nightmare and i'm glad that somebody else has to deal with that because that's a lot of stuff <laughs>
1: Right, I mean, uh, Mandy Maston is the is the kingpin behind the whole container. You know, she does a great job. Had a lot of work this year because everything had to be in the, the nuts and bolts of what we were bringing over there with values and weights and stuff. I mean, she had a lot of paperwork this year. But you know, there's a good core, a good group of us that uh, go over there about five six times a, a year. And, and uh, you know, once the container comes back unloaded, then we you know then after that we we wait for spring and go in and, and clean up all the easy ups and clean all the all, everything that needs to be cleaned up. And this year being as dusty as it was, we're going to have a lot of cleanup to do. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have a good team like that, working on that kind of stuff behind the scenes. And it's um, it, it every level that, that has taken place in the last three, four years has really, really helped the U.S. team out.
0: Very cool. Well, hmm? where do you see it evolving? Where do you see it going to? Is it? I mean, everything kind of can reach a peak and fizzle out, and I'd, obviously I don't want to see that happen. But I wonder if, like, if we were to get to that point where we win, is it kind of like, all right, cool, we've reached that accomplishment, and then you, we would see it kind of start to dwindle off, like the effort being put in, and it would go back to kind of like it was before Kurt, where you know there was effort, but there wasn't like you see now. And I wonder, you know, kind of where where you can where you see kind of things going.
1: I don't really see it going backwards, that's for sure okay um awesome that's great we, to hear yeah, right now I mean it's um you know we're we're getting us a, a, a few corporate sponsors and stuff involved over the last three four years um you know with the Wellard group being in there i mean that's that's really brought the team around and making us look really professional when we go over there um you know all the other sponsors you know have been in, on board for quite a while um You know, and and this year we picked up a couple new ones. um, You know, last minute, and uh, you know, people are getting more involved with what we're doing, and the results are only going to bring more sponsorship. We hope. So, and you know, with this year, you know, as bad as the year as it was, I mean, because I mean, the way the week started off, I mean, it was looking really, really good for the U.S. And uh, you know. Day three was kind of a debacle for a lot of guys, and uh, you know, unfortunately, all our club teams took a hit for with a, at least one rider on each team going out. Um, you know, I mean, we were looking we were looking really good, and and still the way the week ended up, I mean, with with uh, you know, the juniors juniors winning their division and uh, quite a few class winners, and I think three or four in a top ten overall. You know, we've got the we've got the speed and we got the riders. It's just a matter of you know getting a break there somewhere.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a solid point. It seems like a lot of craziness has to come together and be perfect for you know for somebody to be able to pull this off, or be the French and have the best luck ever. Um, even though they, <laughs> you know they, somehow they continue to be very very dominant. Well, obviously not somehow they have fantastic riders, but they don't seem to be plagued with bad luck um, like some of the other teams. I mean Australia as well, getting getting pretty well cut in half. So this is. Is it correct that this year, your 34th year, was your first DNF at an ISDE?
1: Um, yes, it was. It that- was the uh, first first DNF, you know, and it was, there was a lot, of, a lot of milestone years along the way. It's just like, oh, this is going to be the year, you know, this is going to be the year. And uh, somehow I, I, you know, avoided all of those problems and, uh, you know, you look back at all of the, Fluky things that that's happened to, to guys, you know, whether they're riding or not, you know, and, and, uh, you know, after the, you know, like after the day's ride, I mean, a couple of guys have gotten, gotten sick by bites and, and food poisoning and stuff like that, you know, and to dodge all those bullets for that many years, you know, I mean, I, you know, I can't, I, I can't complain.
0: Yeah. I'm, yeah, you got to be pretty happy with the results. Uh, how, I, what, I raced the Baja Rally this year, and when my bike blew up, I immediately was was kind of like, "Oh, that sucks." And then it it hit me a little bit later when I got more frustrated with it. Like at the time, it's like, "Oh, it's racing. There's nothing I could do about it." But then it hit me a little bit later, and I got really frustrated. You know, it's like, "Oh, all this time, all this effort, all this money." And my dad and I had to have kind of a heart to heart to talk about it. That you know, in the long run a seized bike and the money that we spent not the end of the world and it sucks that it happened, but we can get over it. I mean, did you have a a moment where somebody maybe had to help you kind of talk, talk yourself off a cliff of being extremely upset about it? Or do you think that you're just, you know, it is what it is and you just kind of went with it.
1: You know, I, you know, when I first broke down out in the middle of, I don't know where, <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> out of uh, Argentina. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was in the middle of the desert, you know, and, uh, you know, my bike quit and I couldn't get it started and I, I borrowed some tool I borrowed a crescent wrench from Paul Krauss and he stopped and helped me with the with the you know, let me borrow a crescent wrench and he had one heck of a time getting his bike started and uh, you know, finally after kick starting and, and, and you know, electric starting and all at the same time, it finally finally came somewhat to life and it, it finally got clean enough to get him to the next check and that's where where his his six day ended up. But an, another guy came and, you know, same thing I did, just slowed down for an obstacle, and his bike died, and he just pushed it underneath the underneath the bush and sat down in the shade, And you know, and I spent the whole whole hour trying to get my bike, you know, to start, do something, you know, yep. and, you know, pouring gas down that spark plug hole, and I couldn't get a fart out of it, you know, it just <laughs> wouldn't do anything, so... You know, and 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 up to that point, it was you know, it's just like wow, this is this is it, you know, and and it wasn't until I got back and and seen family and friends and you know, that's when it hit home.
0: Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, I noticed that you had a quote on the AMA website from when you were inducted into the AMA Hall of Fame. It said, "I can count on two hands the amount of times I've quit or broken down, and I hate to break down." And I was like, I was wondering after this, and obviously that was probably written a while ago. It's like, can you still do that? Could you still count those amount of times on two hands?
1: You know, it's, it's, um, <laughs> I can't think of the last time I actually broke down, you know? I mean, it's, they're very, very, very few, few and far between. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, without injuries, you know, and, and that, I mean, it's, it's, you know yeah it's not very many breakdowns that's for sure
0: right well i think we could say yes we'll go with yes that's my uh it's my, <laughs> my that's my <laughs> okay, professional that. answer it will be yes um no um well th- we did have a question from the chat room i did forget to mention if you uh do have questions for jeff while we're live right now you can go to tlk.io uh, slash seat time i'm even forgetting what it is and then you can jump in the chat room and ask us questions and it was uh are you still going to be involved with the iste team in the future
1: Uh yeah definitely um you know I broke down on day three, day four I spent most of the day getting my bike all cleaned up and and recreated into into the box and to, to send back home. Um and it was uh, day four night uh, that I, I ended up going to the jury meeting, uh, which takes place every night, um which you know governs pretty much the way the day went, the day the way it's going and and any kind of complaints and stuff like that and. You know, I got kind of involved a little bit with that. That kind of looked very interesting to do. Um, you know, and then, of course, on day five, I, w- I just went out and helped at a, at a checkpoint, you know, pouring gas and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to compete in any more six days, but who knows how many more I'll keep going to. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a lifelong thing that I've done, and, and just because I'm not going to be racing them doesn't mean I can't go there and, and find something to do to help, you know, New riders, the existing team we got you know, and, and just trying to improve the whole the whole level of everything
0: right, no for sure um, and I think a, a gentleman like yourself seems to be pretty committed i mean thirty four years going to the the same event, and I say the same event, obviously it travels it traverses the world and the globe, so it's not the exact same event it's just the same rules in different parts of the world. Um, but yeah, I think that we could say that we'll see your face, um, wearing the wearing the colors representing the USA. Quite a few ISDEs to come. Uh, oh we, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we did have a dude on Facebook, and this is a good friend of mine, actually, Andrew Truesdale from Texas, and he asked, "Do you think you would have DNF'd if you'd have been on a bulletproof KDX?"
1: <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of people say that before. <laughs> I even, before I went to six days, it's like you should start on a whole old one going you know? and actually i mean like it you know it's like you know after I race on my bike it's like you know i should have like got an old 83 or 84 out and, and just did it on an old air cooled bike you know and and um you know i would have I finished on one of those you know i mean that's that technology is is um you know is kind of antiquated and uh you know they the older they get the more problems they're starting to have with things just you know just rotting out and, and not being able to make stuff but you know, it's one of those things where six days this year, um, I've never, ever changed the air filter during the, during a day of, of competition, on a, whether it be six days or local or anything. And, uh, you know, gone, gone some pretty dusty, you know, days at six days where it's a couple hundred miles. And at 110 miles, when I took that air box up, you know, took the seat off and and looked at the air filter. I was like, it oh, doesn't look too dirty," and when I took it out and it weighed a good two to three pounds, I'm like, "Oh, there's my problem." And uh, the back the backfire uh, screen in the in the air box, when it looked like an air filter, it's like, you know, it was it was sick to see.
0: Oh man, yeah, that's 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 got to be pretty depressing. Is, is that typically? I mean, I would imagine if that's what happened to you, and that's what it sounds like happened to a lot of other people. That it was the sand just being so fine that it was getting sucked in through the air filters into the into the actual engines.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, they called it bull dust or something like that. Is what their official name was when when I was at the FIM meeting that night. They called it bull bull dirt or bull dust. Huh. And uh, you know, I mean, it was it was. I mean, there was times when you 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 go into a rut and it and. It, if it was water, that's what it would look like. I mean, it just it'd go right over the right over the front fender, and it's just like, whew, you know, and, and some of them you get stuck, in. you had to push yourself out of the dust. It was that thick and deep.
0: That's weird. Yeah, we heard it as fesh fesh, um, in the states. A lot of people were talking about the fesh fesh, and I'm like, what's the fesh fesh? I had no idea. But there's actually a oh. Wiki, there's a Wikipedia page for it, um, and it just kind of <laughs> describes what fesh fesh is. And I was like, this is insane, but. There it is, so
1: but bull, yeah, I mean, bull dust. Yeah, they call it bull bull dust or bull dirt, something like that. It I was, like it. I mean, you'd be in sand one second, and then the next next second, you'd be in this brown talcumy powder. <laughs> bull something. Bull,
0: yeah, <laughs> bull. Don't want to be here anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> um, exactly. So. I mean there's there's so many different things that we could talk about. You got all I mean, you've been inducted to the AMA Hall of Fame, you've won the Blackwater one hundred, you are pretty much the expert if anybody wants to talk anything KDX. Uh what, what are some of the obviously 30, with thirty four ISDEs, we could say that, but what are some of the, the, the biggest highlights for your for you as a quote unquote career in this? Um as being such a prominent, prominent person in in, in when it comes to off road racing in the in the States?
1: well it's it's one of those things where yeah i've been I've been around doing it for a long time and and it goes back to basically that on any sunday i mean yeah. am i a fat you know was i ever the fastest racer no i wasn't the fastest racer but like for the six days stuff like that i mean you know it takes it takes a rider it takes a mechanic and it takes somebody they can keep their head straight for for all six days you know and i mean that's that that mechanics and being able to hear what your bike's doing and react to what it's doing to be able to make it last the whole time, you know, I think that's what's carried me through on all the kind of racing that I've done. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the Enduros, the hair scrambles, you know, ice racing seasons are starting up right now up here. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just everything I do, you know. I mean, if you prep everything right, you're going to have a, a bike that's going to perform real good for you, though, whatever, whatever kind of racing you're going to be doing.
0: Right. Um, I noticed looking at your your website. What is it, uh, Fredette Racing Products? Is that correct? Correct. F- FRP. Huh? Um, You guys actually have left turning specific ice racing tires. So like, well, what left turning specific is that the, like, is that just because I guess you're like oval ice racing?
1: Well, that's old. That's the old school ice racing. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of places in the country, like up in northern Wisconsin and out in Colorado and stuff, that just do oval racing. Um, You know, so there's tires for that, but the biggest thing that's taken off right now is is the left and right racing. You know, basically road racing on a flat lake. Um, You know, it's anybody that's got a snow plow on a quad can go out and plow themselves a mile, two mile track, and go out and and practice corners all day long on the ice.
0: Oh my gosh! Uh, What does some crazy person look for when trying to figure out if said lake or piece of body water is actually frozen enough to hold a race on it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well like i mean th- like monday already yesterday i was talking to guys up in minnesota and they got four or five inches of ice ready and they're you know they're they're looking forward to going out this weekend on it um you know i mean four inches to go out on a lake you know is one one person two people you know not digging big holes and stuff and you can have a lot of fun on four inches of ice i mean it don't take much but um, you know, most permits are are eight to 10 inches ice, you know, that are running something organized and that, and you know, you get about, you get about 12 inches, you start driving cars and stuff out there. It's no big deal.
0: So unofficially four to five inches, officially eight to 10 inches, and then 12 inches is where it's at for cars. Yeah. This may yeah. sound like a whole nother show right now.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, go. Ice, ice Road bikers or something. They <laughs> <laughs> get
0: all kinds of crazy. Oh my god! <laughs> so uh, even Todd slavic uh, another another Texan that has done quite a few different types of racing, said that he got a chance to race with you at Last Man Standing and watched one of your KDX just totally try to annihilate you. Uh, he said any any mere mortal would have probably died being hit by the bike that, the way you were, but if, but luckily it was it was Jeff Redett, so he was totally okay. If, did you remember? Do you remember? Uh, racing down here for last man standing
1: well the first one i think i wrote it on a kdx the second one i wrote it on a klx uh 450 and uh you know the, that was the last one i rode which was the third one they did i think the last one they put on there and you know the first one was actually somewhat rideable and the, the third one i went to that they had down there is like <laughs> this is out of my league and it's just like get me out of here and they just kept going well just follow the arrows you know and, Finally when my bike pummeled me, you know, after trying to get up a hill that was, you know, thirty feet up and straight back down, it's it's like, okay, now can you show me the shortcut off? Yeah. It's like <laughs> I'm lucky to still be walking, you know, but yeah, it was that was a pretty brutal but brutal race. Yeah, uh
0: I was out there so the first last man standing I didn't that had right when I got back into riding, was it like two thousand seven, two thousand eight? And um oh. And so we w- we were just happened to be out at Munster the weekend after. And we saw the arrows because the guys said not taken them down yet. So we started following them around. And I told my buddy we were with, I was like, I think this was an enduro or something because this is, you know, this is marked trail. Because I had raced enduros in Louisiana, so I kind of knew. And I was like, holy shit, this is a really hard enduro. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and so then the next day I start going around and looking online. And that's when I figured out. I was like, oh, my gosh, it was this event, this last man standing so we went out again the next two years that they had it to to, to beer drink and bench race while the crazies were out there racing because I knew that was above and beyond my my capabilities. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, the first year I went down there. It was a lot of fun, and uh, all my my buddies that went with me, they were like, they're like, I go, well, they're holding it again next year, and they're like, where to going to find two hundred fifty more idiots to go drive this again, you know. And, <laughs> You know, but uh, you know, the second year it was it was just too too expensive to go down there. Actually, it was an ice ice race. It sounded like I mean, it was really messy getting down there, and and the third one was just you know, they wanted only one person to finish, and yep. I mean, they did a pretty good job only letting two people finish.
0: Yep, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, that's what that, when I was down there when I was talking with Archie and some of the other uh, Red River dirt riders that were kind of the main ones that that did a lot of the work. They were I was like talking to them. I was like, so what were the what were, the, what were you guys told this year from Red Bull? And Red Bull was like, we want one person to finish the last man standing. And I'm like, oh, shit. Because I knew that Munster had that. It's just that, yeah. do you really want to kill that many people and that many bikes? And
1: yeah. yes, they yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, I can remember one spot. It was like a wa- undercut waterfall. It was a good six, seven foot straight up, you know, undercut up. And uh, there was four or five of us working on bikes, getting them up this waterfall and, and one of the spotters sitting at the top of the hill. I said, I said, serious. I, I like how the fast guys get up here. You know, they they can't wait for four or five of their buddies to come catch up to me. Right. <laughs> he looked at me and go, hey, road ride right up it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. But <laughs> nowadays they got the Enduro Cross and you watch what they can do on bikes and it's just like, it's amazing what, you know, them trials guys can do.
0: Yeah, that's uh, interesting because we're gonna have Zach Huberty on in a little bit to talk with him because Beta's just released their X Trainer, which is kind of oh. you know a new a new style of motorcycle in the sense that that's really catered toward an entry level person. Um, so, do you think that there's gonna be because now that we're starting to see enduro crosses, you know, is becoming a little bit more popular and some of these other more hard enduros, do you think we're gonna start mm-hmm. to see some of these different? like, actual, like, specific bikes, you know, being manufactured for these kind of events? Because they're saying that this X-Trainer could, with some modifications, be a very good kind of hard enduro machine. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like everything. It evolves as it goes, you know. I mean, okay. it's, um, you know, that's how they get with, you know, that's how everything raises the bar, I mean you know manufacturers look at there's a, a place to build something and uh you know this is what we need it's a little bit different it's, it's like to go off and do it you know i mean they've been doing that on street bikes all along you know it's just like you know want adventure bikes you know and you know that stuff's kind of evolved the same way you know it's like we want you know be able to take our bikes off road you know there's street bikes and you know so i mean that everything evolves as it, as it goes along so i mean I, I i foresee that because i mean it's there's a lot of stuff that's getting you know, towns and stuff that are doing it, you know, especially like over in Europe, you know, I mean it's it's that big, so
0: Yeah. Man, that would be so freaking cool. Um if they were if we were able to to get something like that. I know for a while I heard rumblings within the Red River Dirt Riders that what they were trying to do for a last man standing was to do like the Trinity River race. Um obviously it would be different, it would be around the same time, but it was kind of race the Trinity River bottom from Fort Worth all the way to Dallas. Um, but they just had to get all the oh. cities to okay it. Um, you know, right. it, it would it would kind of like be like a beach race, but obviously it's more of a dried up river. Oh, um, uh-huh. it's so, but it, you know, stuff like that would have been so freaking cool. But it's just the cities don't. Oh, you know, that's what they get all antsy with insurance and liability right. and stuff like that. So well, yeah, lawyers get,
1: lawyers get involved, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and lawyers in the United States make a lot of money for a reason because they suck. Blood suckers.
1: <laughs> yep. Get down to get down to where we just came from down here in Argentina and you know, one guy goes, This would never fly at home. I go, They ain't got no lawyers down here. I mean, there's holes in the sidewalks, you know. What right. I mean you gotta pay attention to what you're doing, you know. And I mean that's that's what you do when you're walking, you know, but you know, that would never fly back here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, they don't uh it would be interesting. So uh-huh. any last thoughts before we kinda close it up on, on your Vast, vast ISDE racing career, and of course all the other accolades that you've accumulated throughout the years in your in your not, that's what, your career that's not even over yet that you could still rack <laughs> up more points on if you will.
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame in, in two thousand two. It's like I thought, geez, uh, uh, that's 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 the end. I'm done. You know, Do you mean I have to stop now? <laughs> yeah it's like it's like well you know usually you get inducted to in the hall of fame it's like you you know you're you're done you has been and you know go to pasture you know and it's like you know so i mean i've done a lot since since then and uh you know i, I don't see myself going anywhere in the motorcycle business you know industry other than you know staying into it so um you know team usa i mean i'll be working with them guys with the with the six days and stuff and you know, doing a local race and maybe some local series and stuff, and and hit some national enduros and a couple of GNCCs here and there, and whatever other kind of cool events come up. Because somebody says, "Hey, you need to come do this," it's like, "I'll show up."
0: Nice. That's the that's the kind huh? of attitude we all need to have. Is just kind of go out and have a good time and race. And if you do good, awesome. And if not, well, if you're Air filter and bike gets completely clogged with fesh fesh, then that shit happens too. So just keep moving forward. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> that's bad stuff <that's>, that happened, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 one of those things I'll never forget. But you know, unfortunately, it happened. But you know, now I can now I can say I got one of everything. You know, I got some golds, I got some silvers, I got the bronze, and I got a DNF too. Right? Uh, yeah. I, I, you've uh, you've accumulated the
0: spectrum. Of what you can yeah. get at an ISDE, well, very. We really, really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some of your experiences with asking. us. And of course, uh, you know, like, we we like to talk moto, we like to talk all just off road and all the all the cool people that are interested and involved in the sport. So we really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with us.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. You know, I, I would have been on last week, but I was still down in Argentina. So oh, yeah, no, yeah, no worries. We're
0: glad you got back safe,
1: <laughs> even yep. yeah, even though the bike
0: too. may not be running when it gets back. <laughs> yeah.
1: Unfortunately, it'll be an interesting thing to take apart once it does get back.
0: Yes, actually. Yeah, for sure. Reach out and, um, and make, or make sure you post like pictures on Facebook or something like that as you kind of take it oh, apart yeah. and start to figure out exactly what went wrong with it. Cause will be really interesting to learn.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. It'll be reverse engineering there for sure.
0: Cool, man. Well, you take it easy and yep. we'll be, uh, we'll be, right, too. we'll be in touch. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.
1: Yep. Have a good night. Awesome.
0: So, Mr. Jeff Riddell, like I said, we, we've really talked about this for a long time, having him on the show. It's just trying to figure out sometimes with all the other stuff that's going on in the world, how to, how to do that. And even though it's unfortunate that he DNF'd, we had to do it. So, of course, Fly Racing's a huge sponsor of Seat Time, and, and we wanted to make sure we give them their due diligence. But, one of the things I want to talk about is how much that fly supports us, that they're okay with us talking about Kirk Casselli. So we all know that November 15th last year, Kirk Casselli passed away racing the Baja 1000. Um, this is actually, this Tuesday is when we did our our tribute show for Kirk Casselli last year where we had people call into the show. We had uh, Brian Story was on the couch with us telling tell about Team USA ICE stories. So I just wanted to take the moment to kind of, you know, reflect on the fact that Kirk has been gone for a year and what we've seen. You know, we've seen so many people share so many stories about how much he did for their lives and for their careers um, in the industry, outside the industry, and just in general how great of a person he was. So if you guys, for some reason, you're out there and you don't really know too much about Kirk Cusselli, um, you go find our show from last year and listen to all the cool stories that people came into the show and shared about what he did for them and how much he elevated their life. Um, and their experiences on on this planet. Um, super, super cool dude. Obviously, it sucks. Uh, so, Kirk Caselli Foundation, you can check that out if you're willing to support um, and help off-road racers stay a little bit safer out there. So, of course, thanks to Fly Racing for their support um, and for supporting this sport. Go check them out at flyracing.com. Um, Mr. Zach Kuberty, you are our second guest this fine evening. How is your evening going?
2: It's going well. Just... Uh trying to escape the cold here in pennsylvania it's like in the 20s right now oh uh, we just uh we, we uh, right
0: when we started talking with mr fredet he was mentioning how it's been in the 20s all day for them there in illinois and i was like man and i thought our early 30s our low 30s was sucky but 20s sounds suckier
2: yeah it's it's hard to do much outside and it's been windy all day and frankly i'm kind of ready to go south or Maybe for the weather to warm up a bit,
0: right? Or go east and go GNCC racing. I can't go much more east. I'll be in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty cold in itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, I mean, first, congratulations on the new job. Um, so, what is the official title? What does the business card say? Or what is the footer in the email?
2: Uh, it says East Coast Race Manager. So. So that's that's a title. What's the job actually entail? Uh, the job I'll be doing pit support at the GNCCs and National Doros for Justin Sode, Corey Buttrick, and then Jesse Grome. And then during the week, I'll be doing light maintenance on Buttrick's and Grom's race bike. Um, I'll be con- I'll continue to do the press releases that I've done for all the race team, uh, you know, support and right. how their results are doing. And then finally, I'm kind of. Doing some of the broader race team stuff as far as helping with sponsors and just coordinating, you know, tires and making sure riders are happy and kind of eventually maybe just kind of becoming like the intermediate guy between uh, Tim Pilg at Beta and like the riders. Right. So just kind of – I'm really trying to pull a lot of weight off of his shoulders and, you know, help him out more. Okay. That's, you know, right now – Since we aren't racing, I'm not traveling, and I started work November 1st. I've just been helping him out with whatever we need to get done.
0: Okay, and and currently, or will you have a quote-unquote office, or is it just like wherever the work needs to be done, that's where the work gets done?
2: Yeah, it's a traveling office. You know, one day it could be in Georgia, another day it could be at home. It could be at a hotel. Uh, It's kind of the lifestyle I like to live at. I'm not really one person to stay behind a desk all day and, you know, read emails and stuff. I'd rather be out doing something, traveling, driving. I like to change it up.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. If if I didn't have so many stinking kids, you know, here at the house, it'd be a different story. But, you know what? When you have sex, you have kids. That's the way it works, folks. So, get married first, then have kids. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do about the sex part. Um, <laughs> so, it... Beta's had some interesting uh, press releases. I think the first one that kind of caught some people off guard or was a surprise was the one with Kyle Redman. It was neat to see that Kyle Redman is going to be or is signed to a deal with Beta for next year. Now, do you know offhand, is that just Enduro Cross or is that kind of some hard Enduro type events as well?
2: Um, Pretty much it's kind of be what Cody did as okay. far as He'll do the FIM Super Enduro, which starts, I think it's December 3rd. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he'll do the different extreme races like TKO, King of Motos, possibly Erzberg. I don't remember if that was on the list. And uh, then he'll do Endurocross with Max Gersten, Morgan Tanky, and then we'll have an amateur support rider there as well. Okay,
0: cool. Who's the amateur support rider?
2: Can't tell you. That's coming out this week. Oh, But it's someone that's currently been on beta, so... Is it Ty Cullins? Maybe. (laughs) You never know.
0: I can't say yes, but I can't say no. Um, Yep. uh, Yeah, I know. If it is, congrats to him. That's cool, because he's been supported by beta anyway for a while. What are you doing over there, Steven? Oh, is that because of the drink that we spilled on the keyboard? Man, so yeah, so we talk about all the technical difficulties with seat time. Everything's going smooth. We're ready to go five minutes before the show goes live, and we knock a drink over on the desk onto the keyboard. I mean, we just can't get away from it, dude. What? What's the problem? What's? What do you think, Zach? Any advice now that you're a team manager for this team? Of
2: I don't know. I was gonna say no drinks in the no drinks in the office, but you are seat time. That's like saying no sex in the champagne (laughs) room.
0: That's like saying no sex in the champagne room. Come on. <laughs> Just because they say it doesn't mean it doesn't need to happen. Um, so, and then, of course, we go, oh, Cody Webb. like, oh, this this is so Cody Webb going to the RPM KTM team, you know, away from Beta. Like, oh, but it's what it is. Excited that Max Gersten re-signed with Beta. So that's cool for what's going to go on kind of on the West Coast-ish. But Endurocross is moving around, so now it's much more much more broad than just the West Coast as it was for so many years. But then we kind of see you know, the fact that you guys are Jesse Grome, so signed a two-year deal with Jesse Grome, did a great job at the National Enduros this year. Um, will he be doing all the GNCCs or just some of the GNCCs?
2: No, um, we'll be doing all of them. Okay, He'll cool. be doing uh, every race in XC2, and then he'll race the pro class, in the National Enduros, and right now Corey Buttrick is signed to do just the first couple GNCCs, and if I think he does well, then we'll look at doing more of them. Um, but he's his deal is basically just around National Enduros okay. for this year. Very cool.
0: Um, and then so then the x trainer is is kind of like I guess the the biggest and most recent with Beta. Um, yep. You know after in between all this was when they put out the press release about you um officially becoming kind of a titled manager for the East Coast I mean which is awesome yep. um so this X-trainer an entry level bike 7 grand 6999 nine, nine, um yep. kind of that step up you know for maybe some of the pit moms out there that are on like a CR you know CRF 230 um maybe maybe a younger kid who doesn't need to go all the way up to like a 250f four-stroke off of an 80, uh, kind of that. Is that kind of the, the spectrum where this bike fits in?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the broad range, you know, everybody starts out on, you know, like a 50. And if you're not serious and you go to an 80 and then maybe a 100 and a 150 and then you're at that 230 and you're just looking for, you know, a little something different or, you know, maybe just an upgrade. And Beta's kind of said that that's they want to be that next step with the cross trainer. Um, and they did kind of mention at the meeting that, yeah, they realized that the price difference from a two thirty to this new bike is a little bit different, but, uh, they think that there's a, you know, a huge market out there for the entry level Enduro guy, but that's not the only market we're trying to sell to maybe someone who's shorter. Um, they talked about like maybe it's a women's rider and they're looking for something or um, trying to think what else as far as like just the older rider, uh, if you want to do extreme racing. So they're really playing it off as the entry level bike that's – they're saying that um, it's a fun bike. That's what it's all about. But – uh I mean, they're hoping to sell a lot of them. That's the key, and dealers will be getting them in March, and each dealer is kind of being pushed to have one to test so right. that other people can ride it too.
0: Um, how do you think people are going to respond? Now, I get the fact of why it's a 300cc engine and the way that it's going to deliver power and stuff like that, that it's it's more of a torquey engine, like a, like a lot like a trials bike would be. Um or in that realm, but how how do you think the general market is going to kind of understand that? Are they going to get that? Are they, because I think we're kind of led to believe that the bigger the number, the faster the bike is, um, especially on the motocross side of things. I, I don't know if I wouldn't say that that's a hundred percent with the off-road crowd, but that's still kind of the general rule of thumb. Do you think there's going yeah. to be a lot of people that are going to kind of go 300ccs is an entry level bike oh, that seems kind of what the heck?
2: There could be, and I think that's one of those things where maybe riding one or seeing one firsthand and how it runs is is going to you know be the seller for the bike. But um, you have to remember, like people that know bikes well, that pipe design is really based around kind of like a trial style pipe, and it's made for torque and power and that 250 engine is the same exact engine as what a regular race bike would have as far as like the size and the bolt alignment and stuff, but inside the internals are a lot different
0: right? Okay. and it's
2: not going to be like some wow. racehorse. And you wouldn't believe how many questions I've gotten emails about, hey, can I make this thing a 300RR? And I said, why don't you just buy a 300RR? <laughs> like. <laughs> But then again, they would say, you know, well, I'm shorter, I'm older, I'm, you know, this is exactly what I'm looking for, and I can see the point. And maybe down the road when we can open them up, and you know, me personally, see them, maybe there are mods to make it faster. But, but I mean, I think that would gonna... that
0: would void all warranties, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I think it'd be a fun bike. and it, and the free ride is, you know, when it came out, it was a four stroke. Um, and we've seen it become a two stroke. And I think I saw a lot of my friends who are in the trials industry or in the in, the, in the trials riding, when that 350 four stroke version came out, they were like, oh my God, why isn't this a two stroke? And I'm like, ah, okay, cool. That's why they wanted it as a two stroke. And they would talk to me about it and explain power delivery and why they wanted it to be a two stroke. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Next year, we see that free ride come out. Well, it is. A two stroke. And obviously, if you look at the pipe designs on the free ride and then, of course, now the new X Trainer, you see a lot of similarities there um, in the way that they're going to have that super low end torque. But what it doesn't have, it doesn't have that huge expanding chamber um, that you would see on a typical two stroke, which is where we would get a lot of our top end from, right?
2: Yeah. And I mean, I, I think they're with that cross trainer, they're kind of trying to combine elements of both bikes, you know, into one and they really um emphasized at the dealer meeting about wanting it to be a fun bike and um you know wanting to have a lot of linear power and Tim Pilg who's the Pilge who's the marketing manager for beta he actually went to Italy and rode one of the models out there with you know the owner of beta and uh I mean he said he loved it and how you know smooth the power how it was, and it it didn't hit too hard, but it was you know it was just fun and that's the key, but for a lot of other racers like me and maybe other viewers out there, I think you know some of us are looking at them like, well, that's not really you know what I would ride, but there is a bigger market out there that's not just us, every bike isn't built for us, and I think sometimes I have to remind myself you know that that You know, not every product out there is geared towards me. It's geared towards, you know, different people.
0: Right. I mean, even though I'll ride a 690 Adventure, you know, or a Super Enduro from KTM, I may not go buy that bike. But if somebody wants me to borrow it and race it at a (laughs) cross-country race for fun, I'll do it. So you just find me, and it'll happen. No. Uh, Yeah, so we had a good question in the chat room from Mark Weeks, a local dude here in Texas. And this is a question that I've been kind of, Asking, because a, a, another good friend, James Hill, uh, his dealer where he gets a lot of his Kawasaki's from, from what I understand, is going to be carrying betas. And I asked him, and I think you and I have even talked about this a little bit, is is the av- availability on parts, um, aftermarket kind of availability, and then dealers. A- and, and how you guys are going to kind of grow all of that and make sure that distribution is completely covered. Because I do remember... That was one of the biggest things with KTM for the longest time before they really were able to take a good foothold on the market. Was that people were trying to get parts for KTM's and that was, they, they they couldn't get parts. Um, and so, is and I'm wondering with Beta still kind of feeling like a boutique brand, but kind of trying to grow out of that and grow to be a little bit more of a mainstream brand. You know, what is the kind of the the the, the game plan there to? alleviate that growing pains without having it happen and be like, oh just like KTM, no parts.
2: Yeah. I mean I can preface this in that fact that you know I guess I'm newer to the company so maybe I don't have a hundred percent of the answers and but uh you know like parts availability from what I've seen and from talking to dealers seems, you know, strong and then as far as the race team, there's a we're working with a lot of different companies to either build parts or we already have parts made, like say Dirt Tricks with the rotors, or IMS with quick fill tanks, or FMF with pipes. So I mean it's constantly growing, but with any company out there, you know, a brand has to be, you know, bigger for them to want to make, you know, specific parts. But if you look slowly, companies are you know, building more products for beta. I think it's just ultimately just, you know, starting to expand further.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see, uh, well, I was going to say a lot, but you don't see a lot of people riding betas, but you see you see people riding betas in the off-road world. Um, yeah, so yeah. they don't exist in motocross and supercross, but KTMs didn't for a long time either. There were bikes out there you could ride in motocross and supercross, but... Nobody did. They just weren't a, they for whatever reason, you know, and we could go into that, but this isn't that kind of so just shut up. But so I mean that's kind of the, the so do you you know if there's a game plan on how to kinda is is to like marketing wise, kinda to grow beta? Like what are the thought processes on how they can kind of, you know, dive into what KTM is kind of taking over?
2: Um I don't know really per se, and I, I, mean, um, I mean, we're really just you know trying. To, I know they're trying to expand the dealer network, and they really want to do a lot of this stuff through the dealers. Like that is a, a huge focus, and um, you know I think we're up to around 140 dealers around the U.S. and a lot of dealers that were at the dealer show they were you know they were normally. Either former KTM dealers, Gas Gas or Sherco, and they're just kind of looking for something different at this time. That's kind of where they were at, and um, I think this year the amount of effort in the race team—it's really going to show, you know, the effort that Beta wants to put in the United States and how much they want to grow. And um, I mean, I'm surprised these some of these Beta dealers I've talked to—they're so psyched about Beta, the race team. Like, they're just so into it, and and it's awesome to see it, like, them backing the riders, too. Like, I mean, they're just excited, and uh, I guess it's cool for me just coming in at this early stage and seeing where we grow in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think you guys are in a really, really neat spot right now. Um, There's a lot to learn, I think, from what we saw with Husky from the late 90s. You know, in that regard, again, early 90s with KTM. uh, What we've seen with GasGas as of recent, it seems like GasGas has had a lot of issues with parts availability, uh, dealer networks. So it it sounds like Beta knows that those are all key points that they don't want to screw up like they like everybody else did. You know, a lot like a lot of the other European brands have done. So. It'd be good to see how they pay attention to that kind of stuff. So, what uh, what what else is going on, Mister Zach Kubery? What other fun information do you have? It's kind of that that off season where we're just waiting to hear any kind of tidbits on where people might be going, who's leaving, which Paul Wibley's leaving, you know, and Milner. So it, Milner is kind of coming in and taking that spot um, to fill in there. What other kind of fun stuff do you do you know?
2: I mean, I I got an email, um, not an email last week, but. Got a message that I guess Ampro is supposed to announce this week, so we'll know something hopefully. And uh, I think we're going to be surprised there. There's, it's going to leave a lot of us wondering who's going where and how some people may have ended up there. Mhm. Mhm. Um. Well, and I and I have
0: no verification on this. I'm just wondering. So the Baylor brothers. KTM announced their team for next year and Grant Baylor's not on it. Um, yep. and, and through different messages, through different people and chatting with this, that, the other, it was pretty much a shoo-in that Grant Baylor was on the team. Um, bikes were being built and things were being prepared. Um, and then when that press release came out, they were like, oh, well, all that work was for nothing. So it's interesting there that like something happened. Um, and so I'm wondering yeah. if it's going to be the Baylor brothers on Yamahas or like a support thing or if they're going to be on support KTM or if there's other people that are kind of coming and in, in, in jumping on the Yamaha bandwagon. Uh, not yeah. that that's a bad thing. I don't say it in a negative sense. Um, but uh, that, that, new, that new FX, that
2: 250
0: FX is freaking hot.
2: Like, whoa. Yeah. And not only that, but... You know, if it's true that Grant is going to Ampro, he's making a big step next year. Not only is he going to XC1, but then he's switching bikes. he's switching bikes after being on KTM, like, maybe all his life. I don't know if he's ever rode another brand.
0: For a very long time.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, I've always heard that from, like, locally, they've always told me, like, if you leave KTM, like, don't expect to come back and get support. And, and that's one of the other thing I was thinking. It's just like, how long has he been with them? Will we ever see him, you know, if the, in fact he does go to a different brand, will we ever see him back on Orange Sunday? And uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be an, an interesting year if if he can, uh, you know, get everything dialed and it's just going to be different. And then you have to wonder where Stu going to go. It's, um, I know I saw Bollinger – Posted a picture yesterday on Instagram saying, you know, he couldn't believe that Stu and him didn't have any rides for next year. And from what I've been told, that they'll both get KTM, like, backdoor support, but they were trying to do their own team deal at some point. But you never know if Yamaha, you know, floats an offer in there what they could end up riding. Yeah.
0: No, and I think, uh, like, a Bollinger, if he's still going to do the X 2 class, which I think he should... That Yamaha 250 FX would be hot. Now, Stuart Baylor would be, you know, he'd still be in the XE1 class. So is have we, and this is complete ignorance on my part at this point, but have we seen, like, the 250 or the 450 version of an FX? And has that, that been released or is that not still been released? Will that be a thing?
2: I don't know. I thought they did make a 450 version of it, but I'd have to go back and look.
0: Yeah, for some reason, I just saw all the publication about the 250. Um, and, And I didn't really, they didn't really talk about the 450. Let's do it. 2015 YZ 450FX. Nope. Nope. They're not talking about it.
2: Uh, so maybe it's just the 250
0: then. Yeah, I think it's just the 250 at this point. So that's why I'm trying to like figure out like like what's the 450 going to be because if the, you know the, the we look at what Josh Strang races. You know he races a 450 F that he's done a couple slight modifications to, and he had a lot of issues with the KTM. He even said on the show that he's like you know ready to race. Ha ha ha. You know that's such a such a marketing thing, and. I would agree for someone at his level. Um, any professional has a bike and they know or, or has a feel for how they want the bike to act. Maybe it was the chromoly frame, maybe it was the suspension, whatever it was, but it's going to take a lot more work than, you know, unboxing it for it to work well for them. Uh, so, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I, I wonder if Strang, do we know if Strang's going to be doing his uh, Rocky Mountain Yamaha deal again?
2: I don't know. I haven't really heard anything. Um. Last I heard was that they expected him to be there, but it's it sounds like it's been up in the air.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, and somebody in the chat room just said, what about Husky? Uh, they could picture Farringer filling in Bobbitt's role since he's back to the KTM team. What about that? What about that? That's a good one. I like that. Thank you, person in the chat room.
2: I think Farringer's back at Air Group, but then again... I haven't heard a single word on Air Group in a long time and I know they've been looking for like a new team manager. Um, but I haven't heard you know anything on Farringer. I think I know he just finished that uh, last OMA.
0: Yeah. Well then that means we need to reach out to Farringer, doesn't it? I think yeah. we
2: should do that. We're gonna to have to
0: reach out to Faringer to see what's going on there. That could be fun. So we got and Mark Weeks is talking about the Ozark one hundred in there. So that's coming up at the end of November. Are you got are you gonna be at that event?
2: No, I won't be there. Missouri? Um,
0: Missouri. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think Shan Moore said he's going to that and uh I haven't even heard which pro riders are going. I know normally uh, Stu Cole Baylor's
0: going to be there. I know uh, we got our Texas dude uh, Drew Higgins is going to head up there. Cole Hensley is really local. Not is, you know, uh, which by the way, you remember the Walter White episode that we have with him when he was on where we were talking? Like it turned out we wound up talking about meth the whole time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, so they actually had a local race where the cops showed up. At the local race and arrested one of the pro racers after he crossed the finish line for being a heroin and meth dealer. Wow. How intense is that shit? Apparently, the reason the cops showed up originally out there is because there was a lady that OD'd at the race on heroin. Yeah. How crazy is that shit? That doesn't happen in my local races. What are you doing? Are you filming the Blair Witch Project? No, I'm moving. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is fun. So Mark Week says he's going to go out there and support the old guys. That'd be cool. I don't know. i got to see what uh, what Thanksgiving looks like. I have to say, dude, there is so much crap around this house that needs to get done. I don't have the money to fix it. I don't have the time to fix it, even if I did have the money. It's, like, kind of ridiculous. So I want to go ride, but... Ugh. This this past weekend we did that mountain bike enduro and that was a shit ton of fun, that was really cool. Do you guys have any of these like mountain bike enduros that go on up there in the northeast?
2: Um, not that I know of. It's uh, it's really deep. I mean
0: it's a it's, and by no means is it a copy of the national enduro format because this format's been going on for a while too. But outside the states and the states have really just kind of just started to pick up on it. But it's literally like start okay I start. And you start with a transition, so you transition to your te- your tests or your stage, as they call it. Uh, then you ride your stage, and that's where you go as fast as you can. And then you ride your next transition and stuff like that. Um, but the whole idea is that you you know these transitions don't aren't easy; they're not slow. You know you have to keep a good trail pace and stuff like that. So it's a little bit more like a qualifier format than it would be a national enduro format, but it was still a shit ton of fun and it was really cool. So it was neat.
2: Yeah, I know they've done that with like horses down here in New Jersey, which is now taking over our riding areas, but, uh, horses. Yeah. They now do horse and which I never knew about it until recently, but they have horse and which it's the same exact thing. It's like a 50 mile loop and you know, you have different checks and they race through the woods, but uh, it's it's an interesting one. There you go,
0: there you go, man. It all it all started with riding dirt bikes in the woods, and now it's, yeah, now now, now it's, it's horses.
2: Everything.
0: I was wondering if there was a way that we could do some kind of dirt biking duathlon or thing. But you know, it's like I've always I, I've I've always enjoyed a good you know off road duathlon where you do a little bit of trail running, a little bit of you know mountain biking, or you know maybe some kayaking or whatever thrown in the mix. And I'm wondering if there's a fun way to add in some some dirt biking into that like it's some dirt bike event like some saturday afternoon or something what do you think any thoughts
2: yeah i mean that'd be interesting i'm up for anything new so yeah we could we could throw on some
0: spandex do some stretching in front of everybody
2: you (laughs) can do that yeah
0: (laughs) yes mark weeks it was fun as hell and i told you to come but you didn't i posted it all over my facebook it's not for fun that's a legitimate advertising space for me to talk about all the cool shit we do. You should come with us, sucker. Well, when
2: I when I saw your picture for that, I mean, it's like, how much how much stuff were you carrying with you? you had hydration pack, helmet, cam,
0: I mean, helmet, helmet, yeah, yeah. yeah. pump. I looked pretty bitchin', didn't I? No, <laughs> that picture. I looked like a freaking show. Like I looked like an <laughs> idiot, man. It was cold. It was like. Thirty something degrees that first day. It was in the high thirties when we got started, um, and so you know I've got layers upon layers on. But you're about to get really hot, so you can't like over layer up. Like it's so it's obviously a strategy to what you're gonna wear as you head out there. But yeah, so I had my my use way the new A4, uh, like so the three liters of water, and then I had a bunch of parts and tools and all my goos and bars and stuff. Like I had all my epic bars and my thunderbird bars. Their new hunter, hunter-gatherer hunter packs, which is like a beef jerky and a trail mix pack. Holy shit, those things are good. Like, if you haven't tried anything that Thunderbird or Epic puts out, go to Epic, what is it? epicbar.com and try out their new hunter-gatherer stuff. Holy crap, that stuff is awesome. The mix pack. Get the mix pack. Oh, so good. But, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Oh, we lost. He he just said, fuck you. I'm done with the show. We'll try to get him back up here. But, of course, big thanks to the guys over at Stillwell Performance. You can find them at StillwellPerformance.com. They make your squishy suck less. Um, uh, no, but so seriously, StillwellPerformance.com. What you want to do is go there, do the contact form, say, hey, I heard about you guys on Seed Time. I want to get my suspension done by you guys, or I at least want to ask questions about my suspension. I ride here. This is the kind of riding I do. This is who I ride with. This is how fast I go, all that kind of stuff, and they can help you get um, a much better tuning going. Uh, so, StowellPerformance.com, very, very thankful for their support of seat time. So, what do you think, Mr. Zach Huberty? Uh,
2: I think I need better internet.
0: <laughs> yeah, you and us both. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's such a joke, dude. We try so, so hard to get better internet for this and it just fucking net neutrality bullshit or they just throttle the crap out of you for anything you want to do that seems, you know, like it's either streaming porn or downloading movies. <laughs> Which, I mean, technically this could be porn and maybe it could be a movie too, but I own all the rights to me and my what I do with it. So get over it. Oh,
2: Shut up. Yeah, I don't know. My issue is like, I've gotten a new phone recently and a new laptop, and they do not seem to like my router. And kind of just, I can't be too far from it, or it just starts to fizzle out.
0: It's never a good thing. Never a good thing. So, what new beta are you going to get? This beta you're talking about, you're waiting for?
2: Oh, that's to build Jesse a practice bike. Okay. Um, he has a 300 right now, but he wants to try 250. So that's actually getting shipped in tomorrow, and then. I'll build it and hopefully have it ready for him Saturday or Sunday.
0: Very cool. Well, what uh, what beta are you gonna ride? What's your choice? Your weapon of choice?
2: I'm stuck between the 250 and 300, but uh, riding the 250 recently, I think I'm gonna stick with the beta 250 and you know give it a try, and I think it'll be fine. I just they're very similar bikes, um, and I really like both of them, so. Uh, There's really not a bad choice, but I think I'll just stick with the 250 for now.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. And then Beta Trials Bikes. When is mine going to show up at the house? I don't know. That's it? I don't know? That's...
2: Damn it. Whenever that leaves the bank account. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whenever the check gets written. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. You're a good businessman. All right. That's fine with me. That's fine with me. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's coming. Um, I'm super excited to see what Yamaha stepping up their program with the off-road bikes really starts to bring to the table. I don't think we're going to see much this year in 2015 because of it, but it at least shows commitment. And a willingness to understand that what KTM is doing works, um, and that they own the market because they care about the market, and they show that they care about the market. I'm not a KTM, you know, CEO or head of anything, so you know they could just be really good at marketing and realize that oh look, we've got this one bike, and we can sell it in all these different models just by changing a couple parts of production, and bam. You know, and then you just change up your marketing for it, and it, it works. And obviously, there's way more to it than that. But other people, I think they're it, they've been wanting to do this for a while. Maybe Yamaha's been waiting until they had the 450 ready to go to make the 250 version. The 250 version worked great. Now we get some great off road versions. So we're just gonna see who else comes up and really, really makes uh, some bitching off road. How crazy would it be if like Suzuki or Cowie or like Honda came back into the game and like legitimately came back into the off-road game.
2: I mean, it'd be awesome. I'm welcome to any other brand coming in because in the end, that's only going to fuel the sport and it's going to give riders more rides and more riders are going to have, you know, different bike possibilities. But, uh, I think I saw in Europe that they debuted that RMZ X or something. Yep. Uh, yeah, more like an, an off-road model of their RM250, and uh, man, I'm excited. I I hope some of these other brands really come back into GNCC or National Enduro, or you know, just get involved. Yep, I think
0: it'll be neat. Well, cool. Well, we're not gonna do a show next week. It's Thanksgiving. We just got so much stuff going on, and then December, we're probably gonna do the same thing. Do about two shows during that week. So. We want to know what you guys think we should talk about. We've got that time. Uh, we've had the really good episodes with Coach Seiji. We've talked a lot about training and nutrition, things like that. Obviously, we've talked with Alan Stowell before, so it comes to suspension. We could possibly talk with some of the FlexBars guys, talk about like the development. and They know so much about ergonomics that they can seriously bring a lot to the table. That may be a really good episode to have. But, Zach, so w- what do you think? What would be some good – off-season topics for us to kind of chat about in the next uh, next couple of weeks? Hmm. Um,
2: well, as soon as some of these announcements come out, I think there's going to be a lot of chatter going on. Right, right. Um, I don't really know of anything product-wise coming down the line or any other new news, but uh, hmm. We, we, we haven't either. seen... We haven't seen anybody from Fly On in a while.
0: Yeah, I don't think
2: Dale's been on in quite a bit.
0: Dale's been on since he used his shitty iPad with that crappy ass front facing camera so he looks like a pixelated video game.
2: <laughs> no, but I mean I think uh, just getting some other industry people on it's it's great to hear different perspectives and uh, you know, there's always good stories out there and maybe get some, you know, amateur guys like Nick Davis. I mean, he's not amateur, but I think he's going to have a, a good future ahead of him. He's been killing it. Does he have news coming up soon? I don't know. Me neither.
0: We'll have to Maybe. find out. We'll have to find out. Well, cool. Well, Zach, thank you very much for coming on to Seat Time again. And this time, it wasn't that you had to save the day. You had, you know, it was uh, you being an awesome guest, as always. But we'd love it when you can come on and save the day because those are fun, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks. I appreciate you having me on.
0: And you even created a little bit of a Blair Witch Project for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, a little dark. It was kind of freaky. You were like walking with it and it was like... It was <laughs> that, that movie The Contouring or something is like this little floating head.
2: <coughs> yeah. It's it's on me. the fly.
0: <coughs> well, apparently I'm really sick all of a sudden. And my throat has gone extremely dry. Maybe I need some more of this vodka. I don't know. That might help. We'll see. Well, Zach, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show again. Congratulations on the new job. Just keep us up to date as all these little pressure releases keep coming up so we can keep talking about it, okay?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, you know, can't forget I'm not just beta, too. I've <laughs> still got the website going, so. Yeah, buddy. Got two hats on.
0: It's a lot of hats, man. It's a lot of hats.
2: Yeah, they're getting heavy.
0: hey <laughs> hey <laughs> Well, just keep keep your head down and keep uh, keep working hard, and you'll you'll succeed.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think
0: my dad told me that once. Now I'm like your dad. That's awkward. <laughs> Apologize. It just got seriously serious.
2: It's all right. I'm used to it by now. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, dude. Enjoy the evening, and we'll chat soon. Thanks again. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Later,
0: dude. Awesome! So episode 149, we got a chance to talk with Jeff Fredette. super cool dude. Man, has just been around the world, literally racing his dirt bike at 34 different ISDEs, finishing 33 of them. <coughs> oh my gosh! Excuse me. And then of course we talked a little bit about his involvement with the team, uh, I, Team USA ISDE. And, and kind of where he sees that going in the future. Then we got a chance to talk with Zach Huberty about his new position at beta, what beta's got coming out with some of their new riders, uh, new bike with the X trainer and where we see that kind of going. Um, it'll be interesting to see things as they, dev- as they develop. Now, of course, yes, we're going to the off season, things like that. This is the time to help us formulate the shows. It's so nobody just won anything, blah, 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 blah. Like, so. We want to know what you want us to talk about or what you want us to research or what you want us to do a show on. That's how this works. So if you're interested, you can message us on Facebook. You can send us stuff on Twitter, Instagram pictures. If you th- look pointing at stuff you want us to talk about, any of that kind of stuff, you just tag C-Time in it. And then we'll get it and we'll do the show for you. So, again, no show next week. Um, Make sure that you go enjoy the time with your family. If you celebrate Thanksgiving and you want to give thanks for that, do that. If you do not... Have fun regardless. Just make sure that you're a good person and don't fuck anybody over for being a dickhead. That's all I ask. <sighs> Man, episode 149. So, this has been Seat Time. You can find us at seattime.co. That is the website where we archive all of the shows. We are on Stitcher and on iTunes if you'd like to listen just to audio only. We're on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash seat time. We're on Twitter. Twitter.com slash seat time underscore CO. Or on Instagram, it's just regular old seat time. Um, Hashtag Pintful of Awesome or Seat Time Live while you're watching the show or checking in after the fact. That's the way to do it. Big thanks, big thanks, big thanks to Fly Racing, Stillwell Performance, and Fast Company for their support of Seat Time. Flex Bars, go check them out. Stillwell Performance, your squishy suck less. And Fly Racing, of course, those guys do a great job of just making you look fly. So, again, uh, it has been a year since the passing of Kurt Caselli. Heavy, heavy hearts on this couch for sure. Um, but you just got to remember everything that he did for us while he was here, the 30 years that he was uh, with us. Super, super amazing dude. Um, just just think about that, all the positive vibes. If uh, you need to kind of relive some stories that other people have had, go check out the the, the show that we did last year. Um, it was it was awesome. Those were fantastic stories. We had Brian's story on the couch, and he was telling all the different ISDE stories of being there with Kurt. Um, super super cool stuff. So go do something. Go do something that scares you, and uh, yeah, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace.